What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because when you can build some margin in your life, that's where the magic happens. Today, you'll meet Side Hustle Show listener Brian McGovern, who turned his side hustle into a full-time gig and escaped a well-paying but stressful career on Wall Street. Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, very happy to be here. Are you? So Brian's got a very unique side hustle as a party entertainer, specifically as a magician. You can find him at mcmagical.com. And I'm a total, how'd they do that uh, guy when it comes to magic and shout out to the other Arrested <laughs> Development fans out there. So I'm excited for this one. And if you want to learn more about how to get paid to have some fun at parties, this is the episode for you. Even though, Brian, I imagine the business has been largely virtual for the last year, I've got to believe the live events market is about to boom again with tons of pent-up demand. So stick around in this one to learn how to get started, even if you don't have any experience, how to attract the event producers and the party planners for high-paying events, and really what those planners are looking for, and how to turn something that you love doing, maybe it's music, art, comedy, trivia, dance, maybe it is magic, into something that you can make an extra thousand bucks or two in just a few hours on the weekends. Notes and links for this one are at sidehustlenation.com slash magic. And I am excited to dive right into this. Like I said, I am fascinated by magicians and magic and by this side hustle. Brian, you have done hundreds of events at this point. Is there an event or a party that stands out in your mind as particularly memorable or particularly profitable from all that you've done? I do a lot of stuff out in the Hamptons. So in the summertime, you get a lot of movie stars and stuff like that out there. So you, you'll be doing it magic and all of a sudden you realize the person that you're <laughs> doing the trick for is a international film star. And that's pretty exciting. A brush with celebrity there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and your note, you mentioned, I've been doing magic shows over Zoom for remote work teams, kind of like as a team building, culture building thing in this remote work environment, charging up to $2,000 for a 45-minute show. That's an incredible hourly rate. That's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. There was this huge need for some sort of comic relief, some sort of entertainment for all these remote workers. And uh, people just came out of the woodwork. And you know, I had my real-life in-person clients approach me and say, hey, could you help us out? And uh, it just kind of blew up from there. And next thing I know, I'm doing international events. I'm doing appearances in Europe and in in Israel and all over America, but I'm sitting in my my living room doing it. So it's pretty pretty wild. And then uh, there's no traffic. So I just pack up, <laughs> go on to the next show. On to the next, you can stack three or four of these into one night, you know, it's different time zones. You're going good. It was surprising as we heard the same thing from uh, Monisha Misra on her charcuterie board business, where it's like, well, how are you going to do that remotely? It's like, it was the same thing. We're going to do this for remote work teams. And we're going to teach you how to put together this little meat and cheese platter. And we're going to have some fun. It's kind of like remote happy hour with your coworkers. Some of the things that I never would have thought could have gone remote, figured out a creative way to do it. So, so you work in Wall Street. Tell me about the inspiration to come up with this idea and, and leave it all behind and say, I'm going to be a traveling magician. I'm going to be a, a party entertainer. Well, <laughs> I was uh, raised as a strange child. And uh, I was into magic since I was about six years old and started uh, performing, doing party stuff when I was in high school. I walked into a magic shop when I was like 13 
and the owner was a real character and he's like hey kid you want to make 50 bucks <laughs> i was like how how sir and uh, he's like yeah i'll send you out to do a party and i didn't even have a show and he's like i'll i'll sell you one <laughs> so he sold me the equipment to okay to do the show and and i was terrified i was a total introvert but he would just hound me and say no i need you to do a party tomorrow do another one do another one and eventually i got better at it <laughs> first ones were bad and then um Got married, had kids, got a job on Wall Street because I was interested in finance and all that, and did pretty well with it. But then towards uh, 2007 or so, I just said, eh, I always kind of wanted to just be a magician. That's all I wanted to do. And my kids were older, and you know, so I was done with college and all that kind of stuff, started early. And I was like, all right, now's the time. So I started off, originally thought I was going to be an agent and book out other people, but then I found out that working with other performers is very, very frustrating at times because some of the best, most interesting performers are the ones that forget to show up. And <laughs> uh, okay. Or, yeah. So that's how we got, got started. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to focus on doing my own thing. And then uh, it just uh, it took off from there. Any sort of market research that went into that, you know, evaluating competition or just said, look, this is something I always wanted to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Well, when I when I started, the the competition was so far behind as far as um, SEO and whatnot. Kind of looked at the online presence of the competition, and there there really there was none. So I said, uh, you know, there was definitely a gap to jump in there. You know, learned a lot of stuff about uh, how to get online and get reviews and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember the first booking that came in on my phone. I was like, wow, this is the best, <laughs> and uh, just kept booking shows from there, and then repeat business and stuff like that. Tell me about that first customer or if there was a memorable first event that you did book. Like, Was it through a phone notification, a certain marketplace? How did they connect with you? I was using a blogging idea of, of just posting about every event I've done. So if I did you know, uh, a show at Joe's Clam Bar, <laughs> I put a post about Joe's Clam Bar doing a magic show there. And it was just that, that kind of uh, local, you know, someone typing in saying, you know, entertainment in this particular neighborhood. So it was, you know, long tail type type thing, got the inquiry and took it from there. You know, I had tried to do this pre-internet because I'm an old guy while working. And, you know, if you can't answer that call immediately, then you don't get the gig back then. But now it's very easy to follow up. Okay. So people are finding you through these kind of long tail type of blog posts. It is similar to like my wife and her partner's wedding business. I don't know if they do it a ton anymore, but when they were really trying to get the SEO firing, they would write, you know, the blog post summary of the wedding at, you know, fill in the blank venue. And so they would capture brides who probably were getting married there, you know, in the upcoming summer. And, oh, we like these pictures, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It would just spill in there. And also just the frequency, Google like that. And stuff like that but of course and then it really the the big engine is repeat business and referrals and people seeing you perform and saying i i want to have you at my party those first cold leads coming in and i'll tell you you know people are getting started how to get those initial leads but the engine behind it is having a, a good service that gets people wanting to book you again or have you you know do their friends events and stuff like that yeah, that was kind of the next question. It's like, well, sure, once you have the gig at Joe's Clam Bar, you can write about it. I mean, do you have to work for free early on? Yeah, so what I would say, I mean, the party services business or party entertainment business is pretty broad. So whether you're a musician, a solo artist, 
you know, you could be a bagpipe player at even at funerals if you consider that a party. Um, sure, something unique. Yeah, I mean, you know, a bagpipe player can get a hundred, two hundred bucks for showing up for half an hour. It's usually in the morning and people are crying, but they uh, they are pop- popular at funerals out here. You know, face painters get in one hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks an hour. People that do cosplay can get paid for it. I mean, there are people that dress up in as Spider-Man and Batman or Elvis Presley and Elvis impersonators are getting 300 bucks an hour. I was always curious about that because we, you know, our friends hired uh, Anna and Elsa to show up to like their daughter's birthday. It's like, where does this draw the line between the cosplay and where it's like, this is Disney copyright infringement or something? Well, crazy sidebar. Uh, that's a real thing in the business. There are these these lawyers that do nothing but call these different agencies, and the uh, the one I remember is from a long time ago. Remember, do you remember Barney the Dinosaur? Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, hey, do you have a Barney the Dinosaur costume? And people were like, sure. Boom, $5,000 lawsuit. Oh, so gosh. <laughs> now they've learned to say, no, we have, we have a purple dinosaur. They don't say the name. They don't have a Mickey Mouse. They have Mr. and Mrs. Mouse. <laughs> so they, they skirt the issue. But yeah, that's a real thing. Trademark infringement and stuff like that. So, so it's pretty broad. I would say for people that are looking to get started in it, you can hook up with agencies in your local area. You can hook up with some lead services as well. But I would start off with going to Google, type in your town and the, the service that you're doing. You'll find some individuals that are listed, and you'll also find some party companies that book out other people like that. Okay. And, and get in touch with them and you know let them know where you're at as far as your sophistication or training or, or whatnot. They, depending on the service that you do, they might want to see a video uh, or meet you in person, and they'll put you on the roster and you'll, you'll start making 100 bucks an hour. But, you know, you're not working 40 hours a week, so it's, it sounds appealing, $100 an hour, but, you know, realize it's not that many hours available. Not that many hours, right? It's like, well, you, it sounds good, but you, you can't really do it 40 hours a week. Are there any national agencies that you like, or is this pretty much done at the local level? The national agencies are more for the next tier, which would be corporate events. When live events do get back on, when there's a conference, they'll hire entertainment for a sales meeting, for a training event. And those kind of gigs, you know, they pay 5000 to $10,000, depending upon the size of the gig. So those are the national agencies that you'd be in touch with, but you don't want to do that until you're ready for it. But there are national lead services like Gig Salad. Yeah, that was one that I'd come across, yeah. Yeah, GigSalad's very good. I would start there, go onto the website. You can register for free over there and upload your photographs and videos and stuff like that. If they have a lead, they send it to you. If you bid on it and get it, great, they get a piece of the action. If not, it doesn't cost you anything. What would you tell the person who's like, well, that's great, but I'm not a magician. I don't have any special skills that somebody would like want to pay me for at a party. Well, depending upon the market that you're in, if you're in LA, New York, there's plenty of event or there will be plenty of uh, live event work going around for all sorts of people there could be i mean there are people that get paid to do you know the living statues in times square you know those people that just stand still okay okay <laughs> dressed as the statue of liberty or whatever yeah there'll be special event people that that'll just hire people to just literally stand around and do nothing so if you're an introvert, that's that could be one for you. <laughs> okay, okay. 
you know, and then there's the real, the kind of like uh, the hierarchy of, of show business magicians are pretty low down there, but somewhere on the bottom strata would be just people that just show up in a costume. So if you got a better build than me and you could fit into a Spider-Man costume, you don't really need much skill. You know, if you're able to, to show up, you know, those kind of things are going to, you know, maybe pay you less than a hundred bucks. Yeah. You're like in the kid's birthday party world versus you know some high-end corporate event or conference type of thing well i mean even even in the kids birthday market like in new york and la if if you've got a following and whatnot you're you're getting at least 500 bucks for an hour for just a kid's party it really is market sensitive i moved to upstate new york for a while and you know i'd have to drive three hours down back to manhattan for all the work because the population is just denser and people have more money to throw around and they're more likely to have events and some of these you know areas that are more spread out you just don't have the population mass to to make it work so gotcha um, anyway so yeah so if you have you know no skills but you want to kind of get into that party business and you're you know you're a fun person the costume stuff is fun you know not in august when you're <laughs> wearing some sort of cookie monster suit or cookie um individual suit well, what was funny, we saw this was going medium viral on Facebook over the winter was this kid in, I want to say Denver, who was dressing up as the Grinch and he would like sneak around, you know, people's front yards and like take down their Christmas lights or something, you know, and the kids would be at the window and, and it was like, well, you know, he's making 20 bucks. I think he did it on like pay what you want pricing or he had like a donations. It was, it was a really creative thing because, you know, for a teenage kid to be able to do that and you know, you had all these gigs lined up. So I'm on Gig Salad now. And you can see, yes, some of these obviously require a ton of talent. There's musicians and comedians and all this stuff. But then there's, you know, you might browse around and see what other stuff that you may already have the skills to do or what you might be able to learn or what might sound interesting to you, knowing that there's some cash that kind of flows toward that talent. So I like that. I mean, there's celebrity impersonators, and then there's celebrity lookalikes. So, you know, the ones that get more money are the the impersonators. So, like a Trump impersonator at the time, you know, was getting six hundred, two thousand dollars just to show up and do his best impression, and uh, you know, th- mention some names, and people love that stuff, you know. But if you're the Obama impersonator, you're probably not as busy anymore. There's probably no Joe Biden impersonators, but then there's the lookalike. So, you know, where they just want somebody to physically looks like Marilyn Monroe to be in this in an event for some reason. So yeah. if you like to dress up and you can make yourself look like a different celebrity, there's still Michael Jackson impersonators making money. So people that are just like into like goofy, weird stuff, they can make money with it. What was your process for kind of leveling up your own skills, like practicing this craft and building the confidence to be able to charge a couple hundred grand an hour? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, a couple hundred, two grand. No, sorry, yeah. two grand. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. I charge three hundred thousand dollars. Is this your card? That'll be, I only, that'll be only three quarters of a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to some stuff, it's you know, it's just a matter of interest and passion for it. So you know, I just it was a hobby that turned into a avocation to a vocation. So an obsession of always practicing. But then, as far as getting over the stage jitters and all that kind of stuff, that's just a matter of forcing yourself out there to get on these stages and do some time 
and, you know, make mistakes and realize that life goes on. And even if you screw up, it's really, you know, just a matter of trial and error. I was rewatching some of the Arrested Development clips with, <laughs> with Job, and he's like, Queen of Hearts. And he's like, you're, you're so close. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually use the final countdown in my, in my show. I do a little tribute to, to Job. Oh my so. gosh, I love it. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Talk to me a little bit more about the marketing front. So starting out, connecting with these local agencies, there's Gig Salad on the national level. There's obviously your own website and some Google My Business and SEO stuff that you can do to show up for local searches. What else did you find effective in kind of turning this from like, hey, this is something I want to do to something that pays the bills full time? Well, for me, it's it was kind of specific. I mean, I had always been doing it as a side gig since high school, so it was I wasn't coming from a cold start. But I have helped a lot of people start, you know, from nothing, from scratch. And so, with that, you know, I always recommend that sign up with all the local guys. And then, if if you're in a particular niche, let's say you're a magician, reach out to someone that's busy in your market. And sort of apprentice for them. I've had people do this with me. Eventually, you know, they'll come out, they'll help me with my equipment, they'll see how things work. And then, you know, I, I get a call. Like I said, most of the work is on Saturdays and Sundays. And if you're in the kids' market, it's during the daytime. So you've got a compressed opportunity time and you're inevitably going to get more opportunities than you can actually fulfill if you're 
doing it right. And then you you start sending out these new guys saying, look, I, I, I'm not available for X amount of money, but I've got this great person that could do a great job there this much. And you know they start to get my overflow and start getting some good feedback on that and be willing to maybe you know share a cut of what you're getting with the person that's sending it to you and let other performers or other people in your, in your niche to do the same. And you can really start to get all, you know, that's a nice channel to get a lot of jobs. And it's funny, like I, I have guys that did that. I did that for them. And now they're so busy, they're sending me their overflow. So it, it works out nicely. Okay. Interesting. So just trying to find somebody in the similar space, like, Hey, and is, is that the, pitch like if you ever get a gig that you can't take because you're double booked you know keep me in mind you know a better pitch would be you know hey you know i, I just left you a great review on your <laughs> site i noticed xyz or maybe there's an opportunity for you over here like if you're going to just come in cold to somebody lead with something of value if you can introduce them to to a venue owner or something like that that you can hook them up with that's that's better okay um you know, kind of, you know, say, or come to them and say, hey, you know, I got this opportunity, but I don't think I'm ready for it. Could you handle it? You'll get their ears 100%. Oh, okay. Because you're kind of giving them a paid lead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so that's a great way to, you know, kick things off. Basic rule of networking. How about with the corporate events? What's a typical booking process for like, how do you get on those people's radars? A friend of mine, uh, Barry Friedman, he runs a site called Showbiz Blueprint. And Barry is part of this juggling team. They've been on all inter- you know, national TV, The Tonight Show, and whatnot. And I was a, always a big fan of his. And uh, one day we, we met up. He's got a, a site called Showbiz Blueprint where he teaches people how to go from the local market into the corporate market. You know, corporate market, is, it's, a, it's a different beast. It's a higher level of expectation. You need you know, more professional marketing collateral. But essentially, I've gotten many corporate events by doing a great job at a private event, at a social event. And uh, a lot of times what we'll do is uh, during a show or, or talking to a client saying, they might ask, hey, you know, what's, what's a time that you know, you know, a trick didn't work? And you say, well, I was doing this trade show for IBM. And you, know, you kind of drop in little hints of, of okay, what you're okay. able to do during your performance. And then people pick up on it and they go, hey, you know what? This guy would be good for our trade show. And so you know, I started doing trade shows quite a bit you know it's very lucrative hard work but very exciting stuff this is where you're like standing around at at somebody's booth on the expo hall floor like you're the attention getting thing yeah and so you know rather than just uh you know back in the probably the 70s they used to have like girls in bikinis at these things and now not so much at at, at certain (laughs) internet marketing conferences they're still there yeah. Well, now they have me in a bikini there. No. Um, they, so w- what I'll do is I'll be able to, again, you know, stop traffic because, you know, when you're at these trade shows, you're just buzzing through and people are like, can I scan your badge? You know, you're just trying to get through and be, everybody, you know, you don't want to make eye contact with the salespeople. I'll get somebody into the, into the show. All of a sudden people are laughing and clapping and now a crowd starts to form around the booth. And what I'll do is actually pitch the brand in my show. So I'll, I'll drop some of the features and benefits of the of my sponsor into the show. And it, it works out great because people learn about the company, they have a good time. And then there's always, you know, a few that want to hang around and talk to the salespeople and it makes money for them. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Now aside from other performers, other peers in the space, who else would be most valuable to network with for somebody starting out in this business? What you're going to find is there are 
certain clients that are a gold mine. They, they're going to pay you time and time again. So the agents are one of them. There are certain venues like country clubs, get in with a good country club and they'll bring you back for every event. They'll recommend you to their members. But the, another big, big one are event planners, um, the ones that either do corporate or social events or both. Event planners, if you do a great job for them, they will send you out. They may not even take a cut of what you, you get and they'll bring you to more and more events. You don't have to sell yourself to anybody. You're just set up. I just did, um, you know, finally reconnected with, uh, with a couple of event, uh, live event planners now that we're back in production. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I can't drop names of who, who their clients are, but yeah, you know, unbelievable as far as like, that's where, you know, a lot of the Hamptonites and the billionaire, literally billionaire <laughs> parties that I've done. Yeah, because they're, and I imagine for corporate events too, like they have a event planner, they just delegated this part of the process and then they, they trust their judgment. Like, hey, go find us somebody good. And if you're in with them, then then you're on the short list there. How would I go about is just Googling event planners near me and trying to see like who's on their Rolodex? So if you're starting from scratch, I, I would say you want to, you know, first get your chops down by doing friends and family. Tell them, hey, I'll do the, that event for free. Let me hand out business cards. You see an event coming up, a fundraiser, a charity, donate your time, hand out business cards. That's a quick way to start getting business going. At these events, take video, take photographs as much as possible, and start getting people to give you reviews. On your website is good. On Google Business, even better. So you have, you know, a bank of reviews, you have a professional looking video at this point, and uh, now you're ready to approach an event planner. Sometimes what will happen is you'll be booked at an event on your own, and there'll be an event planner there, or there'll be a, a DJ there. DJs are also a, a good source of business for other performers. And it's just really a matter of, of going up to that event producers, introducing yourself and saying, hey, you know, this is what I do, and keep in touch. And then be their eyes and ears at the event. And look to make sure the event is going smooth, even if it's not your jurisdiction, what's going on with the wait staff and whatnot. If you can help make that event successful and make them look like superstars, then you've got your foot in the door. Another interesting market is concierge services. Really uh, uh, you know, high net worth individuals that don't want to uh, pick up their own dry cleaning or <laughs> they don't want to make their own reservations. Yeah, you know, they'll go to a to a high ticket concierge service. It's like American Express. Yes, American Express. I've booked through them, and then just these little niche guys that handle high net worth people that just want them to handle everything from hey, yeah, get me an Airbnb in the for my vacation and um, figure out a tutor for my kid. I mean, those are the folks that can hook you up with some interesting stuff. And the, my my favorite call to get from uh, to get from a an inquiry. Is when someone calls me up and says, hi, yeah, I work for the family and we're looking to plan an event because then I, I, I get my Mr. Burns fingers together and I start going, mm, I've got the golden deluxe package for you then. And the person that works for the family, they'll just, they'll just be like, yeah, however, however much you want to charge. I don't care. Yeah, sure. Okay. Very interesting. So there's, there's a certain baseline that you kind of need to have, you know, this professional photography, video, if it makes sense, some presence on Google, some reviews, like you said, prioritize the Google My Business reviews. So that way, you know, if somebody searches, you know, your skill plus your town, like you tend 
to show up. Those rank, you know, usually above any websites right now. And we've heard from mm-hmm. uh, a few guests in the local space that said like, yeah, this is really important. Maybe even more so than Yelp because Yelp's algorithm has like, well, if your customer isn't a habitual Yelp reviewer, it doesn't really mean much if they give you five stars, but on Google, they'll take all comers. And so that tends to help. Are you doing anything specific to, to solicit those types of reviews? Yeah. So uh, you're not supposed to incentivize people to do that. So you don't, but you just ask. You've got to set it up as a system uh, that when you, obviously you deliver a tremendous experience from the a minute they touch your website or pick up the phone or send you an email, your timely response is everything. That's that they're watching from day one, you know, from the first moment. As the date of the event is approaching, you're checking in with them. And, you know, I, I'll be texting people, I'm an hour away. Make sure that they you show up early so that there's no stress and so forth. And okay. um and, and then after after the event, you know, they'll want to tip you and it's great to get tips. Uh and when they're happy to say, you know, would you mind giving a review? And yeah, I, I used to ask them about Yelp and I have a hundred Yelp reviews that are not showing because these people aren't active users where, like you said, Google just will, if it's a legit account, they'll just post it. Yeah. But, but going back to the event planners, you have one shot with them that you will not get a second shot yeah. Do not show up late really want to be uh, a superstar to these people. They, they are under a lot of pressure. They're being judged by their client. So <laughs> some interesting advice I got when you're at an event, uh, they may say to you, well, oh, you know, help yourself to anything at the bar. Don't <laughs> help <laughs> yourself to anything at the bar. Because even if you ask for a soda, people will say, hey, I think that guy over there is drinking. So <laughs> just no, no, eat, eat later, drink later. Don't, uh, don't do that when you're on the, on the clock. Yeah, one friend said that at, at one corporate event. Like, you know, free booze is the most expensive drink you may ever have. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen careers uh, and in my previous life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Good to know. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time, and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. You mentioned pricing, especially when you get the call from the, oh, I work for the family type of Mm. person where there's maybe some price insensitivity where it's like, well, it costs what it costs is the guy that we want. And it sounds like the same thing with even the virtual stuff. Like, oh, it's, you know, there's some price elasticity or price um, flexibility depending on the size of the group and who the client Mm -hmm. is. Like, how do you message that, you know, when you get an inquiry or how do you message that on the website just so people get a ballpark? When they do a web form fill, 
which is what I prefer rather than getting a phone call because there's just so many spam phone calls. I don't even pick up my phone if I don't recognize the number anymore. On the form fill, I'll find out the zip code and the type of event from them. And when they email me, if I, if I need more information before I give a quote, I find out you know the size of the event, the scope of the event, what they're expecting and so on. And pricing really is, you know, it, it's peak pricing in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm um, much more affordable at 9 a.m. on a Monday than 9 p.m. on a Saturday. So, you know, if you're looking for a higher magician, it's, you know, that I've only got, you know, those are my prime times. There is, you know, around the holidays, Christmas time, you know, everybody wants to book you. So yeah. your, your rates go up because you can't say yes to everybody. And then, you know, other times you'll have lulls. And so you'll be, you know, be more accommodating. So it's really... You want to figure out how much value you can bring to the to the event. If it seems like a like a bigger event, then that's the time that you want to hop on, use your networking brain, and say, "Hey, did you, did you guys hire a photographer for this? Did you guys hire a DJ for it? Did you hire this, that? What about that? What about lighting? What about this?" Yeah, you know, and then introduce them to your event planner to your network outside of what you're doing. If you can help them plan their party by introducing them to your network, you know your network's going to remember that and hopefully feed business back your way. Are you typically charging by the hour for like how many people? I'm curious, just like throw a number out and see see what they say? No, I, I, I have standard rates based on, on different things. But, I, you know, for example, I mentioned the Hamptons. You know, in the winter, there's nothing but locals out there and it takes you, me an hour to get out there. In the summer, it's all these, you know, billionaires out there and it takes me three hours to get out there. So, you know, matter travel time is a big thing because if I'm okay. in Hamptons, I can't be in Manhattan at the same time. So travel time is a big thing based on the location, how quick the setup is, you know, some events you'll have to be there two hours in advance and others you can walk in when you're ready. There are a lot of variables based on what they want. Typically, you'll, when you're doing bigger venues, you want to have some insurance and uh, performers insurance is about 300 bucks a year but it just covers you from tragic mishaps if somebody chokes on a card trick or something oh my gosh i didn't even think about that <laughs> because in the photography business my wife they carry it's not performers insurance but some sort of general liability like if you know a memory card fails or something it's enough to cover the whole wedding again like if we had to reenact this whole event we could do that and it wouldn't be a big deal but it's it's the same thing like it's very affordable on an annual basis because it's such an unlikely scenario yeah hypnotists have trouble getting <laughs> insurance oh, okay. Okay, because okay. what happens is people get into it they you know they start clucking like chickens and whatnot a lot, a lot of times they'll fall off the stage oh, uh, or hurt themselves you know it's not that hypnosis is dangerous it's just that people get into this wacky kind of uh, mode so you learn things like you know don't throw objects into the audience <laughs> you yeah. know like here catch and the next thing you know you knocked over somebody's wine and now you have to buy sure, a new dress yeah. stuff like that yeah keep it keep it low liability okay yep don't let the people carry your equipment even though they want to be nice if they get hurt or they break a piece of you know the, the glass door it's your problem so stuff like that gotcha speaking of equipment is there a um I mean, I imagine you've added to the collection over the years, but like a, a bare minimum startup cost, maybe from this, you know, magic shop as a 13-year-old? Oh. <laughs> the less skill you have, the more tricks you have to buy. And then once you actually master the art of sleight of hand, you could just walk in with a deck of cards and borrow objects and you don't need anything. So I could, okay. I, yeah. So I typically, you don't don't have a lot of equipment other than um, amplifier, speaker, maybe light, 
that's the that's you know for bigger events. But uh, yeah, the other people, you know, if, if you want to go for the sequin Elvis suit, you know, you can charge more than if you're wearing the uh, spandex Elvis suit. <laughs> so that, that affects your prices. It, it really is. It's a lot of fun as far as, you know, all the different kind of people that uh, are out there. I just got a call from a customer yesterday. She said, oh, I was trying to book the teacup pig lady, but she's busy. So what the hell is a teacup pig lady? So I looked her up and she brings these little tiny pigs to your party for an hour and charges 350 bucks and she's busy as anything it's you know you never know that's <laughs> yeah. if, if nothing else i think the conversation has inspired the breadth of possibilities of what people will pay money for <laughs> um and and again optimistically projecting that you know in-person events will be a thing like i've got my tickets optimistically booked for a conference in september so i'm we shall see what kind of party entertainment is there. It's always like live bands. It's like, oh, let's have a live band at this networking event where everybody's like shouting at each other. It's like, no, don't do that. Have Brian come instead and do some tricks. Yeah, yeah. It's a great way to, you know, make it about the audience and, you know, bring those people into on stage to be the stars of the show. Anything else that people ought to know about the events business? I imagine it's not always fun and games and celebrity encounters and everything else. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's work. If you get a busy calendar, then you're freaking out about traffic and stuff like that trying to get from gig to gig. You can go at your own speed, which is nice. So, you know, you don't take on more than than you have to. And it can help you develop a lot of different avenues uh, as far as, you know, capabilities. I know a lot of stand-up comics, you know, they are desperate to get stage time and you, in Manhattan you pay 5 bucks to get on stage and you have to buy two drinks. Okay. Whereas, you know, if they put together a, a, a an act that could be in the party market, you know, they're making 200, 300 bucks and getting stage time at the same time. It, it makes a lot of, a lot of sense for a lot of people. What was the timeline for you from, okay, I'm going to do this to now this is a reasonably comfortable living again. Yeah. Um, it took me about from when I left my job to, about a year to really get it up, you know, ramped to where it was supposed to be. I left my I left my job during the last recession, so so uh, yeah, just as the market crashed, <laughs> that's when I decided to go in the event business, and that's the first thing that gets cut. In their yeah, recession. I was going to say right. Let's, let's the the magician all of a sudden seems like a pretty frivolous expense when you know we're losing billions of dollars. People that booked entertainment at that time. Like if you were in the insurance business or you got any of the bailout, God forbid you had a live event because, you know, they just paid, you know, the, you know, I do shows for government agencies and whatnot, but during a recession, they say, oh, you know, the so-and-so agency just spent a thousand dollars on a guy doing card tricks. You know, that's not good. Press. Yeah. The, the optics do not look good. Yeah. Yeah. So it took me a while because of the, you know, the timing was bad, but yeah, all worked out. Okay. Well, what's next for you? You've got the, um, I imagine, hopefully a return to live events uh, coming this year. Is it going to be a hybrid year, still doing the Zoom thing in the meantime? What's what's the rest of 2021 hold for you? Yeah, I mean, I keep wanting to put away my uh, my studio equipment and uh, the, the Zoom events are coming in still. I think they're going to continue. They may not be the as many, but they'll continue because... Uh, 
you know, it's a great way to engage remote teams. And so they'll bring me in for a 20 minute drop in just to kind of bring the, the crowd back together, especially if you're on a computer meeting for three or four hours, it's tedious. So they bring in some comic relief and whatnot. So that'll continue. I'm really hoping that trade shows will come back. That's really kind of my, uh, my sweet spot personally. And close up magic is uh, my, my passion and being close up during a pandemic was <laughs> not a good thing. Not a good thing. Well, I, uh, again, I'm optimistic for the return of trade shows and in-person uh, events, not just for, for your business, but just for general uh, sanity and, and life as we know it. But Brian, really appreciate you reaching out and taking the time to share. Can you find him at mcmagical.com? Check out his work there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Make people happy and uh, you can't go wrong. Just uh, build uh, build relationships, make your customers happy, make that about them, and uh, they'll be back for more. Yeah, I like it. All the stuff on building relationships and all this stuff really comes down to word of mouth. It's like if you could get the gig, if you get the first person they think of for you know your specific skill or niche, then that's a powerful place to be, whether that's from the agent or whether that's from the venue. It's a good place to be. So, Brian, thanks again for joining me. Once again, you find notes and links for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash magic. Big thanks to Brian for sharing his insight. And that is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Um, you can't do ums and podcasts. Yeah, we try to edit those out.